Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the About to Review podcast. I'm your host, as always, that guy named John. You can find the podcast on all forms of social media at About to Review, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all of those. You can subscribe on iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, and of course on the website, abouttoreview.com. Uh, we are reporting live from Six, the Seattle Indies Expo here in 2017. I'm joined by the official video game correspondent, this guy named Steve. Hey, John. How you doing? I, I just wanted to start off and say, uh, you know, I've been gone a little while. Uh-huh. haven't been on the show. And uh, I just wanted to start by apologizing to Pod, Podbean. Uh-huh. Pod, Podbean is a real, a real company. Thank you. And they, they don't have my family. They haven't threatened me. Mm-hmm. And they're an excellent... They're excellent. Yeah, they're a great company. I thought so. I thought so. Yeah. There really is not a swinging light above them, and you get a picture sent every week. No. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, no, but in all honesty, yeah, thanks for having me. This is an exciting time of the summer. Absolutely. So today we're at the Seattle Indies Expo. We will also be attending PAX, the Penny Arcade Expo. Uh, but And on 6, like we did last year, uh, I will be interviewing some indie creators, indie developers, I will definitely make sure to uh, drag my good friend Tim Cullings onto the podcast because mm-hmm. he just loves being on podcasts. Uh, and it will be his third time, so that is, that is exciting. Mm-hmm. Indie games at these shows are some of my favorite games to mm-hmm. look at. You know, these sequels that come out every year for right. Dishonored, for Elder Scrolls, for you know, they're going to be good. We know that. Uh, I'm not going to wait in line to see them. I love going to something like this and seeing indie games in all their creative glory. Absolutely. So, yeah, that will be on this episode. We will talk all about the Seattle Indie Expo, interview some people, Penny Arcade Expo, uh, and then after that, we will go back to the studio, talk about our favorite games, talk about all of those things that we saw, uh, some sweet cosplay. Yeah, it is going to be a great time. Do you have anything else to say, Steve? Well, you know, I think there's going to be some good games, but you don't have to take our word for it. Uh, Trademark. <laughs> no, but instead, one thing I do like about games, when you think of games like Tetris and all those, what is one thing that comes to your head? When I think of Tetris. Uh-huh. And blocks the- falling, uh, Russian music. Music, uh, you say? Kind of like an iconic theme song. Oh, whoa. Before we get to those interviews, Another thing I wanted to mention at the top of the show is if this is your first time listening to the podcast, make sure to subscribe, but also head on over to YouTube because this type of episode about movie reviews and video games comes out on Wednesdays. On Fridays, it is the About to Interview segment, and this Friday, a very special guest uh, was in the studio digitally. Phil Lamar from Mad TV and so many voiceover credits. I cannot even go over. You got Phil all Lamar. Of them. I did. Wow. Yeah, he is a fantastic guy. So definitely check out that episode. That will be on this Friday as you're listening to this. I'm uh, gonna check that out. Yeah, and then also go to the website. There's a support tab up at the top if you want to pitch in a dollar. That would be great. Now on to the interviews that happened at the Seattle Indies Expo. Sitting down with me now is the man who, without him, we would not be here yet again at the Seattle Indies Expo. Welcoming back to the show for the third time, which gives you the honorary ranking uh, of Padawan, I think, <laughs> and a t-shirt. 
Uh, Tim Cullings, welcome back. Yeah, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Yeah. So this year is even bigger than it ever has been before. <laughs> so where are we located right now and how many times bigger would you say it is as far as floor space? Uh, so we're at the Motif, uh, which is a hotel in Seattle, about two blocks away from the main convention center of uh, PAX. Uh, as far as space, we have uh, 1,500 more square feet than we had last year. <laughs> which is pretty massive, especially when you start thinking about cons, whether it is a Comic-Con or Sakura-Con or anything like that. 1,500 more square feet is massive. Yeah, and it felt like a lot a more more uh, square footage in it than we've had in the past few years. You know, it was just more open and easier for people to, you know, move around and enjoy the enjoy the con today. Right. And it was one of the things where we actually are sitting upstairs in like a nice wide open area as opposed to last year where we kind of created a studio <laughs> out of the back corner right. <laughs> of the venue where we were. So this is just a totally different venue and location but to me it still feels the same it still feels like that indie expo like that indie vibe is that something that you have been working on for the past few months knowing that you would be in such a larger venue yeah i mean that's one thing that we've been thinking about and how to like transfer some of the vibe that the old space created just by the nature of what it was which was kind of this basement in capitol hill right <laughs> and uh you know it had its own charms but it also had a lot of had some drawbacks and we were uh you know we wanted to make sure we could sort of replicate a little bit of that feel here uh at this new venue and mainly that's due to the people in our community and mm -hmm. like the uh people that just came out to enjoy the uh expo today and the games and all that really just helps to create that vibe more than the actual space itself. Yeah, because you have a massive team of volunteers and people that help you out. Right. And some people might look at this and be like, oh, yeah, this, you know, during PAX weekend, they do this great event. You guys have been working on this for a long time. When do you guys right. generally start the process? After 6 of 2016, when we last spoke, actually, we last spoke at the 50-hour slam or 50-hour game jam. Right. But after last year... When does it start again? Uh, we probably took a week off and then <laughs> okay. started looking for a new venue almost immediately. Wow. Because we knew we just couldn't stay in that same venue. It was too small, too warm. They didn't have air conditioning. Mm -hmm. There was power issues. So we knew that we needed to find a new space. And that space is at an extreme premium during PAX weekend. For sure. So we uh, you know, did a little search and found this place and it's just so conveniently located to the uh ex to the main penny arcade expo itself and uh the it wasn't cost prohibitive to rent this place so nice. uh, we were able to secure it pretty early and then worked with their staff to come up with a plan that would uh you know make for a good show today excellent now from when i covered this last year to this year i have seen a couple of the same uh games and same types of things is that right. something every year do you get a lot of the same people applying again or is it a process where, f where you want to try and find those unique developers yeah i mean we do try to keep uh, as many new games coming in per mm -hmm. year uh the goal of six is not really to keep showing every year at six it's more to let new developers get a taste at showing their game at an expo mm -hmm. in a much like more relaxed setting than say pax and right. a much uh, less costly setting like than what PAX would be. 
And so the, the idea is they tr bring their game here, they show it, they get that experience, and then they, like, sort of, you know, quote-unquote graduate mm -hmm. to the bigger show, like PAX, and, like, they're ready to show their game there based on what they learned here, you know? Okay. One of the other things that I find fascinating uh, from last year and to this year is incredible diversity in games. Right. We have ed you had everything from card games mm -hmm. to then digital card battle games to RPGs to platformers. Do you know kind of the breakdown of of the genres, or do you kind of pick and choose, you know, so that you're not overwhelming people with? All right, this year is all card battle games. Right. Uh, no, we don't really have a set way of choosing the games that way. We have a whole jury system okay. where uh, we take submissions for about a month, and then uh, the next month after that we solicit for volunteers to help jury games. Everybody who gets becomes a juror gets assigned 10 random games hmm. that they spend at least 20 minutes playing, and then we have like a whole feedback form that they have to fill out. Okay. And, uh, then they give like a thumbs up or thumbs down and the game the 25 games that get the highest score uh make it into six and then uh we provide all the feedback to the uh developers that submitted their nice. game whether they make it into six or not so uh, and we get a lot of feedback ourselves that the developers really appreciate that mm -hmm. and that is something also that i talked about this last year when you are able to talk to the game developer the artist the person doing the music and be like, and they will ask you. It is not like at PAX or other huge cons. The game is done. The game is finished, right. and they are presenting it. Right. Here, it goes back to that sense of community that you talked about. Almost every time I get done playing the game, the developer is like, "What did you think? Or what do you think we could improve on?" Right. That in and of itself is so rare and so special. I think mm -hmm. about six. Yeah, I mean that's that's basically the goal of six is to give the give devs a chance to like let people come and play their games and get on-the-spot feedback. I mean, most mm -hmm. of the games are uh, in various states of polish or finish, and right. like they could be real early or they could be close to being done, but everybody is always looking for ways that they could tweak it or make it better. And here we tend to get uh, people that are going to give like maybe better feedback than just a bunch of... like random people strolling through the PAX floor right. looking for a short line that they can sit down and play a game for five <laughs> right. minutes and move on. Like mm -hmm. Here we have people that, you know, they make a point of, they might not even be going to the big show. They come here to like see what the community is doing and give their honest feedback to the actual developer and not like a PR or marketing person that's been hired to stand right. there for 24 hours, you know? And yeah, that is totally different with the vibe here when it ha goes back to that community. Now, you run or are in charge of or the overseer you know both the seattle indies the seattle indies workshop what are some other events that happen throughout the year that people could get involved in uh so beyond six we have game jams uh that's uh 48 hour events that happen usually over a weekend where mm -hmm. people come together and uh based on a theme they try to make a working game uh we just did one about a month ago uh, at Living Computers Museum down in right. Soto, and uh, we had about 70 people come out and made about 19 different games, I think, over the weekend. And in 48 hours? Yeah. Okay. And a lot of it are people that maybe have never even met before. They just mm -hmm. kind of show up there and find out who's skilled at what and then start a team and make a game, and uh, that's one of our things that we do. We do a lot of just, like, social gatherings for people to keep in touch and 
see what they're doing together. Uh, and then we also do uh, show and tells also at the Living Computers Museum, mm -hmm. which is sort of like a smaller version of Six. Right. Lower, lower pressure, lower profile. People just bring their game. We don't do any kind of like selection or anything. Like if you want to come share your game and just get some feedback, then mm -hmm. that's what you do. And then it's also a way for the local devs to like keep uh, tabs on what everybody's working on, basically. So Fantastic. those are like our main things. And then we do some other like smaller social uh, like outings for people to just go explore Seattle together and hang out. And uh, we started a board game meetup where like every month people go to I forget where, but. Uh, just get together and play some board games. Like, awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Well, thank you, Tim, for putting together this amazing event. Uh, because of this event, last year I have made some great connections, just people that I t I've talked to during the year, and just seeing that independent spirit mm -hmm. and that gaming spirit of community and togetherness has been incredible. This is one of my favorite events that I go to every year. I've been looking forward to this for a long time, and it definitely... Did not disappoint. There were some incredible games. So thank you for taking the time uh, to do this again. Not just do this expo. Sure. But to sit down with me again for the third time. Yeah. Uh, I will work on getting you a shirt <laughs> that nobody else has, not even myself. Wow. But I will work on that. Uh, so, And I will put all of your social media handles in the show notes below. But you are pretty much Tim Cullings everywhere. Right. And Seattle Indies and Seattle Indies Workshop have really active Facebook pages. Definitely. So I will put the show notes to that or put the links to the show notes below so people can reach out to you. If you are interested and you're listening to this episode and wondering how to get involved, reach out to Tim. Yeah, he is incredibly accessible. And if, like he's just said, if you've never made a game before, but you're interested in it, reach out, talk to him, and he can definitely get you set up with one of the communities. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we have an indie support group that happens every Saturday where people just come and work on their games and give each other ideas and help each other out so that's like probably one of our most active meetups for people who are interested in like getting into the, just learning how to make games that's a really good place to start fantastic well tim kellings thank you once again you're welcome thanks for coming out yeah upstairs in my fancy studio uh is josh pierce and your game is res please I pronounced that correctly, right? Nailed it. Nailed it. Nice. You got your internet speak nailed. Well, you know, whenever you see interestingly worded titles of video games, it is like, okay, is it phonetic? Is it something sure. different? Sure. So what was the inspiration for Res Please? So Res Please is, is effectively an extension of... An extension of my childhood with my brother. Oh wow! Uh, okay. So, so my brother and I are the we're the we're the team. So he's a, he's the programmer. I'm the artist on it. Oh, you mean the other six foot eight guy down there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's actually okay. six three. So I really like to be the six wow. eight guy. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, but but ultimately, you know, we grew up playing old school, you know, platformer video games, mm -hmm. Mega Man, you know, Super Mario Brothers, uh, Battletoads, and like. Uh, when we were kids, we used to have to trade off the controller when somebody died. So right. that was like that was like kind of what you did when you were a kid. Mm -hmm. And so when we were talking about making a game, you know, we were like, what would it be like if we had a if we had a, a co-op game where death was actually part of the game? So mm -hmm. so it kind of turns the whole platformer idea on its on its ear. And you you see it when people play the game. They're like right. the first time they get to a, a spike pit and they have to one of them has to jump on it. Mm -hmm. Uh, for the other person to jump on them yeah, and make it across. Exactly. They they kind of hesitate because it's really discouraged in like every other video mm -hmm. game. 
And so that was like really exciting when we realized this is like kind of a cool, like spin on an old thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but we still like, I feel like we kept it really faithful to like that original, like what makes a platformer a good platformer, you right. know, tight controls, mm-hmm. really concise gameplay. Um, also, we just didn't want a game where you just had to grind all the time. You know, every game now just pads its content so hard. We're like, let's just keep it like it was when you were a kid and you just played through to the end and you just had the satisfaction of beating a thing, you know? Well, you say that, except some of the games you mentioned, Battletoads, nobody just sat down. <laughs> That's like, true. I'm just going to play this from beginning to end. That's true. Never happened. Battletoads yeah. goes down in history as one of the hardest games of all time. Yeah. So so I think our inspiration for, for our game with Battletoads was really that we wanted it to be hard. We didn't want it to be Battletoads hard, mm-hmm. but we definitely wanted that sense of like challenge there. For sure. Um, because, you know, there's there's definitely like kind of a resurgence of appreciation for something difficult with like Dark Souls yeah. and things like that. Super Meat Boy, Super even. Super Meat Boy, absolutely. So, so we kind of wanted to like lean more on that side of the spectrum mm-hmm. than just like, you know, spoon feeding everything through the game. Right. So it definitely balances a little more on the hard side. Um, but ultimately, you know, the core concept is we really wanted to inspire people to have like a couch co-op opportunity where they can use teamwork in more than just like a tacked on kind of way. You know, a lot of games that have co-op, it's like, yeah, you're both shooting at the same stuff or whatever. Like, Mm -hmm. like this is really like a core mechanic of the game is to like use teamwork to get to the finish line. For sure. So what is the general storyline since, uh, I played earlier, uh, with Steve, uh, you know, I'm not going to brag, but I am going to brag. We beat the high score and established a new high score and I won some that. sweet prizes. I saw that. So we didn't really get a chance to learn more of the storyline. We basically just, you know, we sat down, we started playing. The game, enha- game mechanics were super smooth, super easy to pick up. But what is the general storyline of Res Please? Sure. So, so the general storyline is it's a really an underdog tale. So okay. you start out as two wizards that are apprentice wizards in a, in a university that effectively every other good wizard has been destroyed by these evil wizards that, that are committing wizard aside, wizard aside, TM. That's a TM. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Pending. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but effectively, so you're, you're the last, you're humanity's last hope to like save the planet from basically a, a very lopsided evil. That's going to take magic out of the universe. Okay. Um, however, you're not particularly talented wizards. You were basically going to get flunked out of school on your way <laughs> to the dean's office and then all this crap happened. Mm-hmm. So so at the end of the day, the only spell you have is the ability to resurrect each other, and that's how you start the game. Which, granted, in wizard craft, sure. that is a pretty good spell to know if it is your only one. Yeah, yeah, but in, the, in these kids' case, it's effectively just their insurance policy because they're not mm. particularly good wizards. Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, if they mess up doing a fireball or something, they're going to immolate themselves and then one of them's got to respawn so gotcha that's that's kind of where that comes from and as you progress through the game you're going to unlock new spells but you're still not going to be particularly talented wizards Mm -hmm. so you're going to unlock like a stone golem ability where you're like sweet i can turn into a stone golem that sounds awesome but really you're going to turn into a boulder with a face on it that falls straight down and so you have to (laughs) figure out how to make that work for you as part of the game so during the game you do pick up new spells you learn and you develop your skills over the course of the game? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So you're going to unlock new abilities. Um, all of them are going to be spells that seem really awesome but have a little bit of a downside or a drawback to them because it really – The monkey's really paw want it, Yeah, 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 kind of a monkey's paw or just, you know, ultimately just really an underdog tale. You know, we don't want it to feel like you're going to ever – the goal is not to be all of a sudden have this story arc of, like, becoming a super badass. Like, it's about – it's about utilizing the abilities you have and making the most of a bad situation because you are kind of these like two kind of screw up wizards, you know? Okay. 
Now, as an indie game like this, is this your first? How long have you been in this industry? Yeah, so this is our first game. Wow. Uh, so, so Nate uh, has been th he's been learning how to program for about three years now. Uh, so the first year of development for the game was strictly like proof of concept and learning how to program in Unity. Okay. And then he brought the build to me um, with placeholder graphics and was like, "Hey, I've got a really good idea here. Mm -hmm. You know, let's 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 turn it into something." you know, see where it goes. And so okay. I was, I was really excited about it, started making graphics for it. And I'd never done pixel art before. My background is actually in sculpture. So I was, uh, um, okay. I, yeah. Yeah. So I worked in stop motion, but I, you know, I had, okay. I had an artistic eye and I, I know enough Transferable about Transferable skills. Yeah. Yeah. To some extent. And, uh, it was really exciting for me because it gave me a chance to take something that would normally sculpt and turn it into like a living, breathing thing that you can make interact and do all this mm -hmm. stuff. So I was like, yeah, sign me up. And we've always wanted to make video games ever since we were kids. Right. And so with like the advent of Unity and things like that, it became really accessible. So we finally had a good idea, the ability to do it and execute it. And, you know, three years later, we've got a, a really solid build that we feel really good about. Excellent. So is the game available now? Is it coming available? What platforms is it going to be on? Yeah, so, so right now it's, it's, it's still in the alpha stage. So okay. we're, we're basically about a year out from release. Uh, but ultimately, we have, uh, you know, we're obviously going to release it on PC and Steam and all that. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a contract with Microsoft already. We were wow, just talking about PlayStation today. Thank you. Yeah, we're really excited. Um, we really want to get it on Switch because the controls are like Ooh, perfect for the Joy-Con, yeah, sure. you know, and you basically have two controllers there guaranteed, no mm -hmm. matter how many, you know, whatever peripherals you have. Um, so yeah, that we really want to get it on platforms. The goal is really it's a couch co-op game. I mean, you can play it one player and it's very fun as one player, but mm -hmm. really like the the like heart and soul of the game is in like two brothers or friends or partners sitting down and screwing with each other and having fun and figuring it out mm -hmm. and like, you know, no, you go here, I'll do this, you know, do and that that conversation that like kind of slows the game down a little bit and makes you take a breath and go, "Okay, how are we going to do this?" Like that's what we that's what we really live for with the game. So very cool. Yeah. So plug all of your social media. Where can people get the most up-to-date information, especially with big news like Microsoft and things like that? <laughs> Where can people find you and the game? Sure. So so our game is at respleasegame.com where you can actually play the demo that, oh, we've, cool. that we're showing tonight. Um, so that build is updated. Um, and we'll update it more in the future as well. Um, basically, respleasegame everything. So okay. we're on Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook. Uh, just res please game and you can find us and uh, then we're we're long neck games is the name of our production company So long neck yeah. games. I have no idea why you guys thought about yeah, that it has nothing to do with how po Impossibly tall we both are. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Well, thank you Josh for taking the time to sit down uh, The game was fantastic and I look forward to all of the updates. Thank you, John. It was a real pleasure having you man All right. See ya Joe Kelly is next in the studio and your game is called Mike Dies. Yes, it is. Yes. Why do you hate Mike? Well, we don't hate <laughs> Mike. It's just that there are so many of them. Mm. And so we figured we could just trim that number down a bit. So, okay. So we, we just kind of killed just hundreds and hundreds of Mikes. Mm -hmm. um, and there is, a, there is a story element to why are there <laughs> so many Mikes and okay. all that kind of stuff. So as you go through the game, you will unlock the story of what all these mics are doing on the ship that he is trying to escape and his ultimate fate after after he does. So Okay. So this game is a 2D side scroller. 
Uh, yeah. with all all the assets are actually in 3D, uh, but mm -hmm. we render it flat, so that gives us a lot of a lot of more dynamics to play with. Yeah, that was one of the things the I noticed. Yeah, yeah, because it just the the 2D nature of it, but having that extra depth, having that mm. you know kind of feel to it, was yeah, definitely yeah. present. Yeah, yeah. So all of our or most of our assets are in 3D, and so we do a lot of you know 3D physics and uh, and a lot of kind of even like subtle rotations of things for the characters and stuff like that, and and all of and doing 3D animations for the characters mm -hmm. has really contributed to the dynamic nature of not only the movement of the character, but also the the deaths of the character, and so we are able to dismember Mike in many, many ways. Uh -huh. And uh, so, so he goes through several, several unfortunate incidents, mm -hmm. um, depending on how well you perform in the game mm, as well. I would say even, even if you are great at this game. Best case scenario, you're gonna <laughs> kill a few Mikes. There's really no way to avoid that entirely. Mm -hmm. uh, but you can certainly, you know, you, you can certainly, tr you know, minimize that number just okay. a bit. So um, you, we, we have been talking a lot about different ways to complete the game. So it's a, it's a Metroidvania kind of style platformer. So Love it's very exploration-based. Based. Um, yeah, the, the, internal name we've been, the internal term we've been using is Metroidvania. Okay. So, because it's very, like, has a lot of, you know, um, a lot of uh, kind of team meet inspiration for mm -hmm. the platforming aspect of it. And the fast-paced nature of it, right. so it's not—it's not a puzzle platformer in the sense that you are not sitting there and kind of trying to figure out what to do. There's not a lot of downtime. Mm -hmm. It's like very much action-packed, and the second that you die, you can reset and just immediately get right back into the action. Yeah, so I did like that. Yeah, there, there's there's—it's complete action like all the way through, and you can choose just basically how fast you go through that. So. There are kind of there's like a speed run, mm -hmm. uh, you know, aspect to it. So you can, if you really just want to kind of plow right through it, you can totally do that. Um, if you really want the story and you really want to explore and find all these secrets, there's tons and tons of secrets to find in it. So it's really you totally get out of it what you put into it. If you want to explore, if you want to just run right through it, you know, there's or if you just want to just kill Mike over and over again, there's <laughs> right. unlimited mics to destroy in the game. Yeah, so it's totally up to you. Nice. One of the games that this reminded me of was Oddworld. So yes. Oddworld, Abe's Odyssey, and Abe's, mm -hmm. Abe's Exodus. As soon as I started seeing those aspects where you got another mic, in this case, mm -hmm. that then has to put a pre has to stand on a pressure pad on one side of the map, knowing that if you go to one other side of the map, <laughs> he is not going to make it. Yes, yes. It's actually, I don't know that I've actually heard anyone make that comparison before, surprisingly, but I totally, I totally hear that. And, and that's part of the, um, my, my first memory of Oddworld is looking at the back of the box and seeing that it said, like, infinite lives. And I was like, what are you talking about, infinite mm -hmm. lives? That's a cheat code, you know? That's, right. not, that's not a feature, but it was a back-of-the-box feature for yeah. them. And so, and we definitely have obviously more and more games have obviously started to use stuff like that. Mm -hmm. uh, but this is kind of infinite lives in a very literal, literal sense of there are just infinite mics to destroy and even sometimes multiple mics at the same time, right? right? So you are, even if you are doing everything correctly, you still have to make some sacrifices, you mm -hmm. know? There, there, are always, there are always more mics to die, you know? <laughs> nice. <laughs> when did that, at what point did that aspect come into your brain? Was it something from the beginning you were like, people are going to need to kill a bunch of mics? <laughs> so uh, our, uh, our lead designer, uh, our level designer, Alex, um, 
definitely came up with the idea of just killing Mike in, in various ways is really the start of it. Even before it was called Mike Dies, it was very <laughs> much about this portal mechanic that we have where if you are completely inside of the portal, when it activates, then you're safe and you can continue on. Mm -hmm. And if only part of you is inside of that portal, then mm. that's the part that's going to get teleported to the next location and you, the rest of you does not go with it. So, mm -hmm. uh, so that, was, that was very much from the start, uh, okay. the intention. The clones, that, that, that we're, we're calling them clones for um, basically anything that is not directly the player character. Okay. Um, the clones came in later when we were kind of playing around with, you know, the story kind of actually evolved pretty organically. Um, it was very much just a straightforward, pretty linear uh, platformer. Okay. Um, it was actually rhythm-based before it really? was anything else. So it was originally a rhythm-based platformer. Um, very linear, and so you were just running through all these different levels, and the music would determine where platforms popped out and, nice. and all this kind of stuff. And we ended up pivoting to this kind of more Metroidvania type of type of design, and that kind of opened up all kinds of things. And For that's sure. and that's where the story evolved from too. So like, there really isn't aside from the portal itself there's mm -hmm. really not anything in the game that was in the like very first design document wow everything else has changed the whole design of the game the whole fact of going from linear to exploration mm -hmm. so everything has just kind of gone like everything has kind of pivoted organically to what we ended up just finding the most fun and so and we have a team of basically three core members in Sidra games and none of them are artists okay and so <laughs> we uh, we super focused on gameplay first it was always just like make dying fun in this game <laughs> right and um and just make it basically taking away a little bit of that frustration aspect of it and just replacing it with just joy and just like <laughs> the spectacle of just watching mike die in these crazy various ways mm -hmm. has uh has really just informed all the rest of the game so really it was just a matter of this character gets broken apart, gets eviscerated into hundred pieces, mm -hmm. and everything else kind of formed around that. And so, and even even throughout all the design changes, all the story changes, that's that's been the only thing that's consistent. Everything else kind of came forward from that original design. Okay, so the game is Mike dies. Is it available now, or when will it become available? It is not available yet. We did just get our Steam page up. Congratulations! Thank you. Thank you. It was it was, it was a <laughs> challenge, even just making a trailer for it and yeah. just trying to get everything just ready for for the promotion of it. So um, now that we have our kind of demo complete and everything, we are looking to get it done by the end of the year. We're shooting for an early November release. Okay, um, that is right around the corner. <laughs> it is. It is. But I mean, we and realistically, like the game content is complete. We have awesome. over 400 levels in the game. Wow. There's a ton of content. It will take you, you know, I think three to five hours for just running straight through the game. Hmm. If you actually want to collect everything, it's up to eight hours for just exploring Perfect. and kind of finding every one of the collectibles and getting the story because mm -hmm. you really don't get the story. You don't get the full story unless you really go through and find everything. Like the, the nice. collectibles are the storyline. So that will take you a lot longer. But all of that content is in. Literally all we're doing right now is just fixing the last bugs and getting last of the sound design in. And that, that's it. Everything else is in there. So it is a complete game. You can play all the way through it right now. 
and we're just on the last stage of polish and that's it fantastic that is great news uh, i definitely look forward to playing this more very soon it sounds like so uh, plug your fingers whole- crossed <laughs> right <laughs> pending anything major happening mm-hmm. Uh, plug your team on social media. Where can people find you and this game? Yeah, so uh, the company is at Sydra Games. That's Sydra P S Y D R A. Of course Games. it is. Yeah, it's <laughs> right. There's a story behind that, but we pr- we don't have time to get into that. All right. Um, so that's the company. Um, personally, I am at uh, Udon Engineering. Uh, okay. Is my Twitter handle, and uh, you can. Go I like to your the finely website. crafted noodles. Uh. <laughs> it is. It's it's a spaghetti code joke. Um, okay, so, but udon is my favorite noodle. So there you go. Um, but um, but we have uh, MikeDies.com is up now, and we just basically have the trailer and a little sign up for the newsletter if you want to be informed of when the game comes out or mm-hmm. any updates and stuff like that. And um, and yeah, and, and so uh, yeah, definitely follow us there, and we should have some very good news very soon. Sounds great. Thank you so much for for sitting down, Joe, and I look forward to the game. Thank you. All right. Steve and I are now back in the About to Review studios after spending, I spent the last two days gaming and all of that. Steve, you went to PAX all four days. No. Three days. Three days. One of the days I went to Bumbershoot. Uh, where right. I learned a lot about what high school girls are wearing this, these, these days. <laughs> <laughs> Which okay. is, uh, it's like high-waisted shorts and uh mm. sort of floral tops it's a strange i didn't expect it to go that way and the 80s are back apparently there's Gross. a couple little bit of 80s things got the john lennon glasses and the weird hair and stuff okay but uh enough about bumper shoot Good right bands, by the way weezer and lord quite nice mm-hmm. uh but yes packs three days yeah so you did three days of packs aka the penny arcade expo mm-hmm. and then we did six together the seattle indies expo mm-hmm. and what is packs PAX is a gigantic gaming slash, more so these days, just like a lot of comic book conventions, it becomes about gaming, but also geek culture in general. Right. So we're talking about tabletop gaming, console mm-hmm. gaming, computer gaming. Yep. And then all of, of course, the, the major consoles. So I will say, though, that PAX still kind of stays true to itself more so than the other ones. Mm-hmm. Comic-Con used to just be about comics mm-hmm. in, in most major cities. I would say the past uh, five to seven years, it has become movies, it has become TV, and just a much bigger event for just geek culture, Right, which is fine. Yeah. But someone like me who likes to go to Comic-Con, dig through some old long boxes, talk to the collectors, find those missing pieces in my collection... We are kind of relegated to the top floor, back in a corner, <laughs> whereas everything else, all the new TV shows, all the new Marvel stuff is everywhere else. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, I'll say one thing for PAX. I mean, they remember their roots. I mean, they mm-hmm. really uh, love showing off the independent games. True. Uh, I mean, six is not part of PAX, but it's mm-hmm. it's a, a, a force all its own. Uh, but PAX had, I counted three or four different areas they have the packs uh, focusing on indie, indie mega booth. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. They have the indie mega booth. They have the packs ten, which is uh, ten games from indie developers that they sort of give their crown to, or say these are really good games. Mm-hmm. Packs rising, mm-hmm. and there was <laughs> there was a section of packs uh, this year that had uh, games developed by Polish studios. Yeah, 
it's it's apparently really hot in Poland right now to make amazing games. And uh, and that was something we kind of walked past. And then we looked up and we were like, Indie Polka? Yeah. Indie Polska? And they were like, wait a minute. Oh. Yeah. So this whole area. And there were at least a dozen games. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. they were on both sides of, of an aisle. Mm-hmm. So at least a dozen games all from Polish mm-hmm. independent game creators. That was really cool to see. Because it was yeah. just, again, something unique something different but still within that realm of indie games that still within that realm of gaming in general mm-hmm. outside of these huge triple a titles yeah i mean this whole thing is global we have yeah. poland but we talked to some folks from australia mm-hmm. uh, uh french canada mm-hmm. and uh, france <laughs> as <Yes>. well <laughs> uh and i met uh, a developer from spain who did a game called moonlighter I mean, yeah, it's it's truly a global force. So, yeah. yeah. But we're going to talk about six first. Am I we correct are. on that? So what we will do first is talk about six, the Seattle Indie Expo that we went to on Sunday night. Uh, and that one is, like you just heard, a local event that primarily showcases local talent. Uh, local sometimes is Pacific Northwest. So there are a couple teams from Portland and the outlying areas. But a lot of the developers are local to Seattle. Now, I'm a, a journalist. Uh-huh. Well, I've been trained a journalist, at least. Yes. <laughs> and let me ask you a stupid question, because mm-hmm. uh, that's the best kind of question. Uh, why do you think it's important to cover indie games, and why do you personally enjoy playing indie games? For the same reason that I go to so many independent film festivals, same reason that I watch web series and things like that because so often these amazing creators are not given the same platforms that other people are when they go to different studios when they are repped by these big companies when you watch independent film when you watch an independent series when you play an independent game you have that resource of being able to talk to the creator right there Mm -hmm. When you go to a larger film festival, something like Sundance Mm -hmm. or TIFF, the Toronto International Film Festival, which is coming up, good luck trying to find Guillermo del Toro just walking around showing his new film, The Shape of Water, which looks incredible. (laughs) So with Six, sitting down with the developers, and after you play their game, they want feedback. They want to hear what your experience is like playing it, and that is why I like it. Same with when I cover smaller film festivals talking to those creators one-on-one and feeling like it is an organic thing that they created. Yeah. That is what makes it special to me. Yeah. Did you happen to see the creator of Far Cry 5 walking around? No. How about the creator of Final Fantasy 27? <laughs> no. No. Oh, okay. Yeah. Or people who are actually involved in some of these AAA titles, like, yes, they might work for the company. Mm-hmm. Yes, you might be able to talk to an artist or maybe a sound person, mm-hmm. but that is it. Mm-hmm. So I met Lucas Pope, who did uh, Papers, Please, mm-hmm. a huge indie hit, and his uh, upcoming game is quite fascinating also. But we'll get to that later. But I right. mean, it's just so cool. Like, this is the guy who put in many, many hours mm-hmm. uh, on all the little details. Have you seen Indie Game, the movie? It, I, I think features so. Features Fez oh, yeah, yeah. and Braid and mm-hmm. uh, one more that's yeah, it on Netflix on right or now. Yeah. was on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Super Meat Boy is mm-hmm. also in there. Uh, and it really shows the level of detail that they go to to uh, make sure the game is perfect. 
and uh when they put that amount of effort into it it really pays off so uh yeah it's really cool like oh yeah you're the creator of this game i mm-hmm. I've, i know who you are and you can talk to them so that's awesome yeah so that is why i like doing this so with the saddle indie expo what we will do is steve and i each came up with our top three games that we had a chance to play at the Seattle Indie Expo, mm-hmm. including our best in show. Now, your listeners have already heard the interviews at this point, right? Correct. Okay, good. Yeah. So we will just go back and forth, starting with number three. Steve. Oh, well, I don't want to rank them. Let, can, we, can I just do three in general? All right, fair enough. Uh, okay. So with your first choice <laughs> before. So the main one we will do is best in show. You know what my number one is. <laughs> oh, gosh. Wait, no, you cannot start with that. Oh, uh, okay. Because okay. you cannot start with your best in show. Uh, that is uh, ridiculous. Oh, wait, we're doing three and then best in show? No, no. Okay. Including. Three total. Yes, okay. three total. I have an honorable mention, but. So the this first game. This is how game... the sausage is made, folks. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the first game you want to talk about okay. is. Well, it's between two. Uh, let mm-hmm. me see here. You do have three choices, so <laughs> yeah. Uh, the first game that I want to talk about is Treadnoughts. Treadnoughts, okay. you say? Mm-hmm. Yes, Treadnoughts. Treadnoughts is a game that harkens back to some of the early tank games. Mm-hmm. Okay, now we're not talking Battle Zone where you've got the oh, first-person yeah. view. Uh, we're talking uh, an Atari game mm-hmm. and and, and uh, early PC games where you had to calculate the trajectory of a particular missile. Okay, so forget all that for a moment, and I'll describe <laughs> the game. <laughs> okay. Uh, when we played it, it was four players. Mm-hmm. Everybody had a tank. And uh, when you press the button, the tank's uh, angle of, of sh- the shot goes up. And when you let go, the shot fires. Mm-hmm. And you're trying to shoot the other tanks in this little enclosed area. And each level, they kind of had a different uh, terrain, not just a flat. You know, Most yeah. people are probably imagining a flat terrain, maybe a hill or a lake here and there. No, it's all enclosed. And the th- cool thing about Treadnoughts is you can attach yourself to the ceiling. Mm-hmm. You're a little bit sticky, right? Not so only the ceiling, can... but any object that is on the map. Right. And you can propel yourself by jumping. Okay. So when you jump, you actually do a flip. Mm-hmm. So at the top of that flip, you're pointing up and you can shoot yourself up and that gives you new angles. So it was, uh, and it's a one shot, one kill type of situation. Yeah. And you got points for killing. Mm-hmm. So. That's interesting because it's not just about surviving, you know, hiding in some corner yeah. and then you're the last one standing. No, it's about kills, kills, mm-hmm. kills. Uh, John did not win that one. Wow. Um, <laughs> wow. Uh, I'm pretty sure I beat you, though. Uh, you probably did. Yeah. Because you beat me at every single game. But Pretty much. Uh, that's not important. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, for new listeners, that is the shame bell. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how else we can incorporate that. All right. Okay. And... The colors were pastel, mm-hmm. uh, which was interesting for a tank game. They didn't try yeah. to go hardcore with it. They mm-hmm. went, um, I don't want to say cutesy, but they kind of went uh, softer. Softer. With it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it it totally worked for me. It was a fun. You know, it's interesting. It's not just about playing the game, but mm-hmm. you should watch people play these games. Yes. And when I stood really behind the display that they were all looking at. I just saw complete smiles and people mm-hmm. going, oh, my gosh, you got me, you know, that whole thing. So for that reason, I give Treadnoughts my number three slot. Okay. So I'm embracing I, your ranking Okay, now. there we go. Number nice. three, Treadnoughts. Excellent. All Over right. you, John, that guy. Sounds good. Uh, number three for me, and this would not come as a surprise, will not come as a surprise to Steve, 
Uh, but my number three is a game. I'm not sure if you had a chance to play it, but it is called Round Guard. Never played it. By Wonderbelly Games. Tell me all about it. Uh, a game that I love. A, oh. a super simple, not even guilty pleasure because I do really enjoy playing it. Peggle. Yes. Peggle is one of my favorite simple, like if I need to just play a game and just zone out, mm-hmm. Peggle was always a good choice for me. It's like strategic pachinko. Yeah, so exactly. Imagine a pachinko board, pegs on a on a on a on surface. A board. Yes, mm-hmm. on a surface. Certain ones are golden, and you had to hit those golden pegs, and you could hit the other ones for extra points. But you had to hit the mm-hmm. golden pegs. Exactly. How is so, this one different? So this one, so Round Guard takes that same. I mean, pretty much exactly takes that model. You're looking at the whole board with all of the little dots. Your character is up at the top. You shoot him down, and he bounces around the character or bounces around the dots. There are spiders in the way. It is Pagel. But the difference is this has RPG elements to it. So based on how you played the game and how many lives you had and your health meter, you get different equipment at the end of the level. So you can get a different type of axe where it spins differently. It can go through. Instead of a ball, you get an axe. Right. Well, yeah. Or an object that kind of goes through things. Similar to Pagel to like the super... Uh, moves that each character has. Okay, so that was just a unique element. Element because unlike Pagel, where you just start with your super moves and you have three of them that you can get, this one it adds that RPG element to it, where you never really know what type of thing is going to be next in that random order hmm. based on how you play the game. Really fun. Uh, when you take a game that is immediately recognizable. <laughs> Because as soon as I saw it, I was like, sweet, looks like Pagel. Talked to the creator who was standing right there. And he was like, you know, that's a huge inspiration, but we wanted more from it. Mm. That, I think, is what is crucial with any of these types of games. Mm -hmm. So it can look the same. It can play the same. As long as it has a different element and makes it unique to that game, Mm -hmm. I'm all on board. So my number three, Round Guard. Awesome. I forgot to uh, repeat what the name of my first game was, Treadnoughts. I think it's important. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I listen to gaming podcasts and they go, okay, this game is Treadnoughts. And then they talk about it, talk about it, talk about it. And right. then they don't at the end of their description. <laughs> and they go, mm-hmm. well, you got me interested by your description. And they didn't say the name again. So yeah, my number three is Treadnoughts. Uh, also, when you look at the show notes below, we'll mention all of these games. We'll nice. put links to their uh, social media handles. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, so you're number two. My number two is Mike Dice. Okay. Yeah, yeah, Mike Dice. You had an interview with the creator of Mike mm-hmm. Dice. I did. Um, it's it's it reminded me of Braid. I mean, anything that you uh see in these uh gaming expos, it reminds you of other games. Of course. Absolutely. And I actually went to a um a talk about things you should think about before you release a game. And one thing the guy said was uh, creators think that people want something brand new. They mm-hmm. don't <laughs> think yeah. people want stuff that's familiar with a twist, which exactly. I think is absolutely true. You know, you take some sort of concept and you add to it or you smash two together. Like you were talking about with, uh, the Peggle plus RPG elements. Mm-hmm. And, uh, sometimes you get uh, peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> or yep. What is it? Chocolate in my peanut butter. Yeah. You got peanut butter in my chocolate. You that, got chocolate in my peanut butter. Exactly. Hello. I'm Officer Reese's. It. How can I help? It was a family guy bit car crash i don't like family guy family guy does not like you okay how about that <laughs> mike dies mm-hmm. so uh 
sorry if I'm repeating something that your interview said, no. but Mike Dies is a side-scroller. Again, think a little bit of, uh, about Braid, uh, but it's set in a futuristic environment, and you have your character walking along, and there's certain fields in mm -hmm. the world. Uh, and you're trying to get to your ending field, which sends you to the next area. But there are also dangerous fields. Mm -hmm. So uh, if you put some part of your body in front of this field uh, for long enough, you, you not, lose that part yeah, of your body. You're you not getting that body part back. <laughs> right. And they did some really... Oh, shoot. I dropped my pen into that. Well, that was a really good shot, actually. Yeah. Uh, if you... Uh, so if your head is in a certain field, you lose your head. <laughs> mm -hmm. And you uh, at some point get clones. Mm -hmm. and you need to use those clones to step on other buttons. Or you might need to use the clone's head. Yep. You, you kill them intentionally pad. and could, yeah, kick it onto a pressure pad and move along. And um, I think there's more to this game than we saw in the sense that there's a whole story about yeah. demons and there's a giant eye. I don't know what that was about. Um but yeah, keep your eye out for Mike dies. This this is uh this could be something big. Nice. Mike okay. dies. Uh Mike dies is Steve's number two. For my number two in my top three at six is a little independent game called Mike Dies. What? Uh, yeah. <laughs> is also my number two uh by Sidra Games. What itch did it scratch for you? For me, the game that it really reminded me of, and I talked about this on the interview with Joe, is Oddworld. So I started playing Oddworld on PlayStation 1. Pretend I know nothing there. about it. What is Oddworld? Oddworld, you played as Abe, who is trying to escape and also free his fellow captors. He's an alien. Yes. Uh, in this meatpacking plant. Turns out his species are the ones being ground up for meat. Silent green. Yeah. A and he is green. Uh, so as you go through, he is trying to escape as well as free his people. So the way that it played is there would be characters in the background that you would have to interact with and they would start following you and tracking you the same thing you were doing. So if there was a pressure pad or a lever in the background, you had to get them to jump on that, but you then would have to jump also. It did that same type of mechanic, which is just unique. That is something that not too many games have done. Mm -hmm. Even less games have done well. Mm-hmm. So that was the itch it satisfied for me. But also, I'm a big sucker when it comes to this in movies and in video games, sound design. Mm. The sound design of Mike Dies was really cool. And again, we were playing this in a big open area in a, you know, expo hall, you know, with headphones. And so you can still hear everything around you. But even with that, I really appreciated the sound design. The narrator was great. The music was good. It just, the things made sense. Yeah. So, yeah. That was why I, I like that. And as you and I have talked about quite a few times, there are plenty of games yeah. that are hard. There are a lot of games that are very hard. Then there are games that are broken, that are just not fun to play. Yeah. This game was incredibly challenging. Yeah. And I could tell, once you get to those further levels and down the storyline it was going to get madness mm -hmm. but it was still engaging it was still fun even though you died all the time right i'm looking for it to move me and that's mm -hmm. the same with movies yeah anything that moves me uh is good <laughs> yeah and in this one 
it was those levels where I felt that tension building in mm-hmm. myself, like, oh, I'm not going to make it through. Um, and, and that's a win in my book every single time. Excellent. All right. Uh, now, uh, do you want to, do you have an honorable mention? Oh, thank you. I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah. I was going to slip that in there, but you came up with it on your own. Yep. So, um, I would say guilt is a good honorable mention. Guilt uh, battle arena. Guilt battle arena. Thank okay. You. Yeah. Uh, if anybody is familiar with Castle Crashers, it mm-hmm. kind of looks like little little guys that are um, animated, and you have a gun, and you have one right. bullet that belongs to you. So those four characters are colored different primary colors, and they have one bullet, and they have to shoot at their other people while recovering their bullet and shooting again. Mm-hmm. Sounds pretty simple. And yeah, you can do deathmatch where it's one shot, one kill. But they have hot potato version. They capture have the flag. capture the flag version. Missiles. Probably, yeah, probably mm-hmm. king of the hill, control an area. Uh, so they did a lot of creative things with a really simple idea. It's pretty twitchy. I mean, you oh, yeah. like you lose and you don't know why you lost or you win. And, well, John always thinks he's about to win. Mm, but, uh, <laughs> but, you know, you. Um, it's very twitchy and it's, it's, it's almost – too fast you know what I mean mm. like the bullets are flying and you pick up your oh did I pick it up did I not um to the point where it almost seems random if you won or if you lost but right. I, I really uh did enjoy the uh the twitch aspect it almost felt like this six uh was divided between twitch games like Treadnoughts and guilt and mm-hmm. ones that were much slower I mean one of them mm. that we didn't mention was uh arranging a museum you know, yeah, you had yeah, pieces yeah. of art that you had to put up. And I guess there were puzzle elements where mm-hmm. you had to do it right, so to speak, or it, it played with perspective. Uh, and then there was a Twitch one, um, Only God Survives or something. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's like, okay, imagine a little square <laughs> trying to avoid all these bullets. And meanwhile, the little square is prophesizing about how it is God a prophet. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> but and, not only. Oh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, please. <laughs> but please. not only that. This movie, if uh, this this movie, this game, if you have any tendency, any leaning towards epilepsy, you need to stay fifty feet away from this game. Yeah, or if you happen to have dropped acid, you're probably going to trip out even harder because it's like the colors are are just warping off of the thing. Yeah, Yeah, I took a I took a quick video of it, and I will try and put that on social media. And I talked to the guy about that. I was like, you know, because that is a concern. You know, that started way back with Pokemon, the original in Japan, where it's causing epilepsy. Too many colors, too fast. Well, I think they're worried about flashing. I think the right. flashing is causing the seizures. But yeah. uh, but this is like crazy colors, colors and tracers flashing. and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah, so I talked to the developer about that. And I was like, you know, is that a concern? He was like, actually, there's a mode where you can turn the colors off. Mm-hmm. So it still might flash, but it will be, I think, grayscale or something so that it will not be as much. Mm-hmm. Very smart move. It shows that he cares mm-hmm. enough to recognize this could be a problem. How do I mitigate it? Mm-hmm. So there was a VR game that was essentially an escape room. Yes, there was. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was being run by my acquaintance, Nicole, who's mm-hmm. a cool person. Um, so, yeah. And, oh, and we can't neglect to mention the competitive Frisbee game. Yes. Uh, if anyone's familiar with Windjammers, this is a homage, mm. copy. Yeah, uh, copy. Yeah. Straight up copy. <laughs> but hey, the more Windjammers copies there are, the better. Yeah. So uh, it's kind of like air hockey or ping pong. 
Yeah, kind of. Uh, okay, we should mention the <laughs> Oculus party. But anyway, um, so you are a guy on one side of a court or another side of the court, and you're throwing the you're trying to throw a frisbee past the other one, mm-hmm. and it's very fast. You can slide and catch the frisbee, and if you pop it up in the air, you can power up. Uh, that's one that's yeah. How, is that the best way to describe? It? You're much. trying to get the frisbee past your opponent. Yeah. You're just trying to throw it from one from your end past them. Do you have you the name of that? Have, do you have, have uh, the name? Missile of that? strike, arrow something. Arrow league maybe. Missile city arrow league. Missile city. Yes, that sounds right. Uh, yeah, missile city arrow league. Yeah. Uh, I mean it, that was fun. It it was fun. Very simple controls. Yep. Uh, it reminded me a lot of one of my favorite old school games. Windjammers. Super dodgeball. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, super dodgeball, super volleyball. Mm, I loved all of those. Ice hockey. They're, yeah, <laughs> ice hockey not so much. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, very reminiscent of that. It is a straight up copy um, of Windjammers. Mm-hmm. But shout out to the creators for <laughs> coming up with a version that had some sort of difference so that they could... Get it out there and not get sued. So good job. <laughs> I was just going to say, best of luck in your impending legislation. <laughs> yeah. Or your impending uh, litigation. Yeah, good luck yeah. with that. Yeah. Uh, cool. But, uh, oh, sorry, did you have an honorable mention that I haven't mentioned? Is that even possible? So did I mention what it, all of them? What is kind of funny, my honorable mention was Guild Battle Arena yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what, where did it go for you? What, what? So it was an honorable mention because, again, with me, it was fast. Yeah. I have a hard time with certain games. Mm-hmm. That are too slow. I mean, I need if I am playing a game, I want to relax. I want to do something active. I do not want to sit down and read. One of us in this room, in the studio, when playing a video game, if there are books on the shelf, will take off the book and read the book in the video game. John always brings this up because this was in Skyrim. So dumb. But what he doesn't realize is that I would pick up the book and immediately put it down in it registers as having in Skyrim. You gross. Sometimes you get a skill by no nope. picked up a book, opened it and put it back down. You don't have to actually read the whole thing. You say that, but how many books did you actually read? None. I mean lies. Two, three, I don't oh, know. Right. Yeah. Uh so with with Guilt Battle Arena, it was fast. It again reminded me of those party type games that I used to play. Mm-hmm. Uh so I, I I liked that aspect. And it was unique. Mm-hmm. Having only one bullet as opposed to just going around just shooting all crazy. Mm-hmm. Really cool. And when you died, you came back as a ghost. As a ghost, you were still active in the game. And you could steal the bullet. It was just it was really fun. So that mm-hmm. was my honorable mention. Alrighty. To your to the grand finale. Cascade Quest. Cascade How did I know Quest. Cascade Quest was going to be Steve's best in show of the Seattle Indies Expo 2017? Yes. Talk about talk about this game. <laughs> Before I do, let me just take you back to 1987. Mm-hmm. Young Steve had an IBM PC Junior. Wow! And uh, what was it like to grow up with money? Put in the floppy disk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. of, uh, of the uh, of King's Quest Two. Okay, the first game I ever loved, besides maybe Jumpman. 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 Jump oh, never mind. I'm not going to go off on great on Drake because. Steve just looks at me blankly anytime any hip hop. Is that a Tupac song? Oh, God. Okay. (sighs) All eyes on me. All eyes on me. Okay. Uh, So, King's Quest Mm -hmm. 2. Sierra game. Okay. Classic. Classic game. And King's Quest 3 was right behind it. Space Quest. So, all those Sierra games. uh, Cascade Quest, a brand new game, nails the look and feel of those perfectly. 
down to the fact that you have to type in mm-hmm. your commands. So <laughs> give mushroom to woman. <sighs> Look around. Pick up socks, you know, whatever it mm-hmm. is. Uh, I don't know how this guy did it. But it it's pre-alpha, right? So you only able to write part of it. But because also part play, we, we should mention real quick. The other thing about six, unlike packs, not only so sometimes and these are gaming terms. So, again, if this is your first time listening or if maybe you're not a big gamer and you listen to this podcast, people mainly people know about, you know, this is beta testing. That word gets out there all the time with a lot of different things. A lot of the games at six are in alpha testing, mm-hmm. a.k.a. they have a functioning game, but they are not quite sure of those next steps or they know of those next steps, but do not have time to finish it. Mm hmm. This game is in pre-alpha, so this is something where it is essentially a proof of concept. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, at one point, I was a bit stuck, and I turned over my shoulder and talked to the creator of the game. Right. A game which I'm loving. You know, mm-hmm. I got a little bit stuck, and I asked him, and I said, uh, if only Roberta Williams were over my shoulder when I was playing King's Quest II. Mm. Roberta Williams is one of the creators, along with, I think, Ken Williams is the other creator but anyway uh roberta williams is was the driving force behind all those early quest games let's say right and uh, and he said to me without any irony he said if only roberta williams had you in her studio when he was making when she was making those games wow uh it would have been that much more because that you have that give and take mm-hmm. and um let's just say it those early king's quest and and those ilk had flaws in the sense that if you missed something early on if you mm-hmm. didn't pick up the mold Light from bulb. the i still don't know <laughs> what game you're talking about but the, the kid picked up the light bulb but anyway how to find out but in those early games you could get stuck if you failed to do something you didn't happen to notice whatever mm. it was you didn't get that item and then you're on some other planet and then you don't have the uh. doohickey you can't you know you can't start the spaceship you know you should have got it from the space janitor's closet on the very first screen but you just Jeez. ignored it you know what i mean so uh the king's quest reboot by the way, it doesn't allow you to get stuck, and Cascade Quest doesn't allow you to get stuck either. Nice. Uh, you can die, not as much as you died in the early games, but okay. um, but uh, that's kind of that's part of the fun is is dying. Like for example, I tried to climb the stump, the stump fell, and uh, up popped a little flag. I go, "What is this flag? It's the mm. you know Korean flag or whatever." And then it had seven point eight, and then another flag came up, Germany, eight point three. Earthquakes? So, no, no, no. Uh, when you die, you know, in diving in the oh. Olympics, all the judges put up their score. And then the fourth flag that came up was Russia 3.0. That's the joke. The Classic. Russian judge always gives you, yeah. So mm-hmm. it has that humor that mm. has okay. that those early games had. And uh, for all those reasons and many more, I make that my number one Cascade Quest. Uh, get it when it comes out because this will definitely, if you have any kind of nostalgia for mm-hmm. that era uh it works and uh just really quick before mm-hmm. you jump in yep hold on john hold yep. on uh-huh. <laughs> uh when you type in you know uh pick up typewriter or whatever right uh it auto corrects your spelling hmm. and it can you it will um finish the word for you so instead of okay. saying pomegranate you just type you know pick up p-o-m and then Below it suggests just like your phone gotcha. would. It suggests oh, and it, of course it knows what its own items are. Right. So you just hit tab, I think, or return, and it fills it in for you. So 
it has the feeling of those old games. I've already gone on too long. I can tell by the look on your face. But <laughs> I, it has the feeling of those old games with uh, some of the annoying aspects fixed. Okay. Cascade Quest, deep mm-hmm. in my heart. All right. Uh, I figured it was going to be that. Steve also played a game, and I did put this picture up on social media, called Headlines uh, by a Russian developer. Was it? I didn't ask um, where he was from. I think he so. sounded German, but anyway. Yes. Okay. That one of them. Uh, sorry. He's probably from Poland. I don't. Oh know. yeah. Very... Uh, so that one. It was funny watching Steve, who is a trained journalist, play a video game in which he is a journalist. I understand. You know, I just with me that just my brain does not go there for gaming. I want a release. I want something completely different since we Um, mentioned it we should say what it is you run a paper and you have to decide what stories to run and what stories to not Mm -hmm. some of them are hard stories some of them are entertainment some of them are pro one side of the political spectrum not republican democrat but right in this fictional world purist versus modified i guess and you have to decide uh do you want to do sensationalist Mm -hmm. pro purist stories or more uh, informational exactly and then as you're walking home, you hear the reaction from people on the street, and then you have to face your family at dinner, which is mm-hmm. awesome. That was a cool aspect. Like, oh, you know, how could you have said this? And uh, you know, Janie needs to go to school, so make sure you sell enough papers. So, what is it? Do you tell the truth, or do you go non-sensational? So, mm-hmm. yeah, fascinating. I, I really need to see where it goes. We only play the first two days of it, but um, yeah. yeah, yeah, cool. So, to my best in show at the Seattle Indies I'm already Expo. Twenties oh twenty seventeen that is rich, uh, is a game by Longneck Games based out of Portland called Res Please. Res Please. This was a game, and you heard the interview uh, with Josh earlier. Really fun, challenging game that we only played a short amount of, but in that short amount of time where we just basically did a speed run through it, I was already getting those hits of. Nostalgia. I was getting those hits of it was so familiar. And again, we talk about this all the time. It looked familiar. It played familiar. But it still had something unique. It had a twist. It had a hook to make it different. So it was not just a Mega Man clone. It was not just a Metroid clone or a Castlevania clone. It was different. And so in the interview, we talked about the ability, I guess ability, the necessary feat that you have to do in this game is essentially kill the other person that you are playing alongside with. It is not a versus game, but there are certain puzzles that to cross this ravine in lava, one of them has to jump into the lava. The other one jumps on top of them, gets over to the other side. And then? And then there's also a boost element. No, no, no. Resurrection is what I was saying. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he and, gets resurrected, yeah. Yeah. So, and then there's also, yeah, a boost element where certain puzzles or certain places you can only go if the other person is giving you a boost up there. So that was really cool. It definitely is a game that I want to play more of. Mm-hmm. And even doing a speed run, I still got that feeling of nostalgia. Uh, it was just a side scrolling. It was engaging. And it just, it begs for more. Mm-hmm. So I'm really excited to see what happens with that. Uh, he said that they have had some talks with Microsoft. It's like that game is definitely going places soon. Mm-hmm. So Res Please is my best of Seattle Indies Expo 2017. <laughs> 
I, I'm not sure why you rang the shame bell at the end of the segment. Uh, but yeah. So uh, thank you again to all of the guests that I uh, had on to interview. Tim, Josh, Joe. All of them are great. All of their contact info information will be in the show notes below. So now we move on to another lo- small local, uh, you know, thing called PAX, aka Penny Arcade Expo that you have already heard us talk about. I meant to look up what the attendance was. Oh my gosh! But it's in the tens of thousands. Oh, it has to be. It's between fifty and seventy thousand. Yeah. <clears throat> it not only takes over the entire. Uh, Washington State Convention Center, mm-hmm. all in Seattle in downtown, every Seattle. level, every every yeah, and every room has, um, you know, you can do free play consoles, mm-hmm. free play tabletop, mm-hmm. uh, that kind of thing. But it takes over several conference rooms of yeah. five hotels in the area mm-hmm. and Benaroya Hall, the largest symphony space in Seattle, in Washington, in Washington, yeah, yeah. yep. So. We're never going to see all of it. No. And that it, we talked about this. If you go back and listen to the PAX and 6 episode from last year, from 2016, where Steve did go all four days, even doing that, you cannot go to everything. And if you do play every game, congratulations. But that is, I mean, you really, you, you have to be there for 10 hours. Yeah. So every when we day. say best of, it's best of what we happen to play Absolutely. and happen to get impressions of. And, I mean, you guys know this. You listened to last year's episode. But uh, <laughs> we don't like to wait in lines Not generally so nope. because uh, time is limited. Mm-hmm. Why should I wait three hours to play Mario Odyssey, mm-hmm. Super Mario Odyssey? Uh, because the... I know it's going to be good. And yeah. I, actually, I did do my due diligence because uh, I knew you would require it of me. Mm-hmm. You're essentially my editor for mm-hmm. uh, this uh, podcast. So you would want to know, is Mario going to be good? Surprise, Mario is going to be good. <laughs> it looks amazing. It yeah, looks just like Of Mars. course. So anyway, we're not focusing so much on those AAA titles, mm-hmm. which already have a quality. We're looking for the diamond in the rough, surprises, uh, you know, AA titles, yeah, the, that kind the of The things thing. that we just, to me, it came down to the things that I enjoyed the most that have given the opportunity I would play more of Mm -hmm. because some of these games, again, when you go into it and there are at least a dozen AAA titles that have gigantic booths that have all of these things and huge lines. Mm -hmm. How many of those, honestly, when they come out, are you going to be like, you know what? I'm going to play all of those. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So with me, I want to focus on the ones that I'm actually excited about playing. Yeah. Can I do a couple quick hits and trends I've noticed? Yeah. So these are just, you know, a couple couple things that I saw as I walked around the massive expo floor mm-hmm. there. Uh, first of all, Twitch. Yes. Which oh m- most people know as the YouTube of gaming. You mm-hmm. know, stream people stream games and commentate on them and get tips essentially and uh, you know, money tips from mm-hmm. folks and uh, they build followings and so forth. Uh, last year you know, it was it was present, but now it's a force to be reckoned it with. Was massive. I mean, if you had told me ten years ago that mm-hmm. people were going to be watching other people play games online and paying them to do it, and mm-hmm. uh, big sponsors were going to be doling out massive sums of money to get these huge Twitch influencers, I'd say, 
ah, that's a pipe dream. Yep. But no. So this the Twitch booth this year not only was a big broadcast space, but a big lounge space. They, yep. Like half of their booth was lounge area for their partners, as they call them, which are actually the streamers. Mm-hmm. I never would have thought that. Yeah, and one thing that I hear all the time from, I, I will not to generalize, but in general, <laughs> the generation above us, you know, who are like, why do people just want to watch people play video games? Blah, blah. I don't understand it. Cool. How many people watch football? How many people watch baseball? How many people watch hockey? It is the same thing. You're watching somebody do something that you also like to do. Yeah. But at certain times, you just want to watch someone else do it. Right. Either they're uh, more skilled at it and right. you enjoy watching them be very skilled or they're entertaining while they do it. Exactly. Maybe they're not the best at it, but they are fun. They do fun things. And yeah. So I totally get it now. I, I, I understand why Twitch is a thing. Yeah. Uh, the success of Hearthstone, moving right along, the success of Hearthstone, which is like a, a basically magic for the masses, mm-hmm. uh, has spawned so many other uh, trading card games. Mm-hmm. So existing properties have said, oh, we should do a trading card game, whether it's physical or it's um, digital. True. So uh, can I blame Yu-Gi-Oh for that, for I, card battling I games? I guess so. I don't really know okay. much about Yu-Gi-Oh. Because um, I cannot blame Magic. Because Magic, yeah, was a great game. Uh-huh. Yu-Gi-Oh! Anyway. Uh-huh. So, uh... <laughs> Those are genres of games that are not in my wheelhouse, yeah. if you cannot tell. All right, so here, uh, Smite, which is a MOBA, has a card game now. Okay. For those uh, people who do not know, what is a MOBA? A massive online battle arena. There you go. So think of an RTS, but instead of controlling whole armies, you're controlling one person. RTS stands for real, real-time strategy. <laughs> yeah. Uh... The most famous of which is League of Legends, mm-hmm. Dota 2. They fill massive arenas and the winners get multi-million dollars. Oh, yeah. Who would have thought that? Yep. Tell your grandma that kids yeah. are getting. Or go back in 1989 when The Wizard came out with Fred Savage and there's this big tournament. Yeah. Put Tell somebody back then. Like, you know, one day this tournament is still going to be there. Mm-hmm. They will be playing for $5 million. Yeah ridiculous so just real quick so smite has a has a board game witcher has a board game or a, a card game and uh skyrim has <laughs> of course what skyrim is a card game called here's a skyrim and uh civilization your favorite game Ugh. has a uh, has a card game did you play it uh no i didn't play okay. it okay did you I, want to uh no not really not really mm, okay. you know you, you can only have so much civilization <laughs> Before you want to riot. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, Shovel Knight, which we talked about mm-hmm. in a previous episode, they have a new chapter uh, featuring King Knight, yeah. the first boss and sort of the lamest boss. Yeah, which but, is kind uh, of odd choice, but hey, Yacht Club Games, I'm on board with what they do. Yep. I checked in with Jen Sandercock, who uh, was involved with making Thimbleweed Park, one mm-hmm. of my favorite ones from a previous uh uh, six, right? Yeah. It was at the previous six. Uh, that's out now. Definitely get Thimbleweed Park if you are a fan of the Monkey Island and all of the LucasArts style of games, Day of the Tentacle and uh, Maniac Mansion, that type of game. Um, that's out now, and you should definitely pick it up. But anyway, I, I checked in with her because she, as you know, and as our listeners know, mm-hmm. uh, she loves edible games. Yes, she's she does. So now she's writing a physical book that's going to come out uh, with a baker's dozen of edible games. Can you eat the book? I don't know. Mm. That's a good idea. <laughs> I mean. That's a good idea. Yeah. So uh, watch for that. And I hope that when it does come out, you'll you'll uh, promote it on your show because she's brilliant at that yeah. type of game. 
Yeah, I will definitely Which I didn't even know existed until mm-hmm. six. Yeah, that's a great thing. Uh, and then I have just... It's actually the the 50-hour game jam. Thank you. Yep, yep not Thank six. You. Okay. But another amazing event that Tim Cullings puts on. So yeah. Absolutely. And then uh, two more real quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were three different games where you're... Uh, where you're blind right uh yeah so first person perspective you're blind and you use sound to uh, echolocate in mm-hmm. a room three different games had this gimmick crazy why i don't know i mean it's kind of cool i mean it's sort of yeah. like gone home but it's uh and it, it was one of the things where i kind of had to, when i put it in and when when steve brought that up i had to put it into movie perspective there is a reason and people always ask New Year rolls out, a movie comes out, three months later, another movie very similar comes out. People are like, why are there more movies of the same thing? Here's a little inside baseball for you with the movie world. I write a script. I go to producer. I go to find some funding for my movie, and I pitch it. I send them some sample pages or the whole script. They pass on it for whatever reason. So, being the intrepid filmmaker, I go to three more five more, ten more meetings until somebody gives me money. All of those people who heard that pitch and read that script, if they tweak certain parts of it, can then make their own movie. Mm -hmm. So it happens all the time in movies. Uh, So in video games, that is also interesting, you know, that that same, it it makes sense. Because when you go to people and you're asking for money to complete your project, they pass on it, but there's something about it they want to latch on to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they can run with it. Uh, and yeah, and then finally was where was it? Where was it? Uh, no, oh yeah, okay, I got it. There's mm-hmm. a uh, indie game called Armello that's still going strong. Okay, uh, and it's a uh, it's like a board game but digital, and it's mm. all hexes. Okay, imagine Game of Thrones. Got it. Yes, meets uh, Redwall. Or the book series uh, Redwall, the book series Redwall. So okay. Game of Thrones, but everybody's an animal. Ooh, okay. and you use uh, it. You use cards uh, mm-hmm. to. I know, I know. I I, I, <laughs> I said I turned to John at one point. Any game that has cards in it yeah. is a is a complete turnoff. I don't know why, but this one makes it work. I, okay, this is my one exception. Beautiful graphics. Hmm. Uh, game of Thrones meets Watership Down or Redwall, and uh, you're trying to. Uh, become the king essentially okay using lots of different ways of getting it but uh yeah it was one that i noticed about two years ago it came out i bought it you can play online it's very smooth fun game armello nice uh some of my quick observations about the penny arcade expo mm-hmm. packs 2017 one thing that actually uh to throw it back before we went to six before we went to packs on thursday night uh we got invited to oculus headquarters uh, by again, Tim Cullings, huge shout out again uh, to Tim. He invited us to the pre-PAX party at Oculus headquarters. Uh, so we got to play a bunch of games, interact with some more creators and developers. I noticed something that they did at that party that I had not seen before that then I saw again at PAX. It is the simplest thing that I do not know why it took this long to come up with. When playing VR... The tendency to walk out of the area, the tendency to not know where you are spatially in the real world because of everything going on is real. So what they did at Oculus headquarters on Thursday night, you stood 
on one of those like uh, anti-fatigue uh, mats. Super squishy. Super squishy. And it was like maybe four by four, you know, something like that. it was a good area. It was enough of a difference from that texture to the carpet. Mm, I'm glad you mentioned Where that. Where as soon yeah. as you started to step off, you were like, oh, that's right there. Right. Because Oculus Rift, you can't move around. Right. Vive, you can move around mm-hmm. to some degree. But yeah, Oculus, yeah. So that, that in and of itself, like that super simple thing where they were like, how do we take care of this problem? A tactile reminder. And that was all it needed. Uh, it reminded me, and I talked to one of the guys at the party, in one of Dan Brown's books. Um, I forget which one. Maybe Angels and Demons. Uh, they talk about going into this secret room that has a bunch of technology, and it is pitch black in the room. But when you work there long enough, you know how to get around. Turns out, what they did is the rest of the room is tile. There's one strip that is carpet. So, once you know the room, you just go by tactile. You go by feel. Genius. So whoever thought of that at Oculus, that was great. And so when I saw that again at PAX in the Oculus space, it was not a cushy one, but it was something different. It felt different. So as soon as you started to step off, there was there was a reminder. Mm-hmm. Huge kudos to whoever came up with that. That was not the case in Vive when we played Vive. So again, there are still some things need to get worked out. But that's because you can move around. You can take a couple steps left and a couple steps I right. I still feel like and they Vive should... understands where you are in the space. Yeah, and Vive. I mean, when you're it's playing a different Vive, technology. Yeah, there there's some like blue grid stuff that happens. Like it was just it was interesting. Um, but yeah, that was one of my observations. The VR again that we played last year. That was my first VR experience last year. It still blows me away. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Blows me away. I said it last year. I will say it again. I'm a huge Star Trek fan. VR is the closest damn thing we have to a holodeck for a long time. Mm-hmm. It is tremendous. Do you feel like that it's grown leaps and bounds since a year ago when we played it? In certain aspects, yes. I think the internal graphics of the game, absolutely. Uh, we played a game earlier today, or at 6, Called Marvel Powers United. PAX, you mean, but yeah. A PAX. Uh, Marvel Powers United. The graphics in this game. I played as Deadpool. And as you turn the controllers in VR space and you look at your hands, the textures, the colors, the enemies, yeah, those, those get a little bit blurry because it is action and all of that. But the actual in-game graphics engines... These computers are pumping out some serious power. Mm-hmm. So, yes, there has been a huge leap in one year. I, I honestly cannot imagine what is going to happen in five years mm-hmm. or ten years. Um, my hope is that the equipment gets lighter. Every year, mm-hmm. my neck hurts mm. because these things are heavy and they sit on your face. And it kind of like it. You're, the tendency to pull your head down one way or the other, it, you know, it happens. Mm hmm. Can you talk about Space Pirate Trainer? Uh, sorry, I cannot talk about that because it may or may not be in my top three of six or of packs. Uh, but yes, I eventually will be talking about that game. Uh, but yeah, so those are just one of my quick observations is just about that VR space, the physical space in the real world. Genius move. Yeah. So uh, I think now is the time to do our top three of right. packs of Penny Arcade Expo. Yeah. 
So you talked about a bunch of games, mm-hmm. but number three for you at PAX 2017 is what? Sometimes you see things that you've never seen before. Okay. And you didn't know that you could see them. <laughs> you mm. didn't know that they existed or that that technology was even possible. Okay. And that sensation occurred when I saw the game Return of the Obra Din. Sorry, what now? Return <laughs> of the Obra Din. One more time? No. <laughs> so <laughs> this is from Lucas Pope, who I mentioned earlier, okay. yep. uh, who did Papers, Please, a mm-hmm. game about uh, set in the 80s. Uh, about stamping passports to let people from one Eastern Bloc country to another Eastern Bloc country. If I do not get to kick somebody off of a Zeppelin after I ask for their papers, then it is not worth it. It was a surprise hit. Uh, Okay. uh, Most of all to Lucas Pope, the creator, who thought (laughs) no one is going to want to sit and stamp passports. Well, there's a little bit more to it than that. Okay. But... uh, uh, it's uh, it was a fascinating game, one I got addicted to for a while. Mm. Uh, and he's back, baby. He's back with <laughs> Return of the Obra Dinn. And when I mentioned you see something that you don't normally see, mm-hmm. it's the fact that he's created a 3D game that makes you feel like you're in Apple II graphics. Oh, so right, right. So kind of gray, green, mm-hmm. pixelated graphics. Uh, you've gone to this ship where uh, people have been killed okay. and you see a skeleton on the ground. What, what type of ship? Oh, uh, like a um, spaceship. Oh, sorry. Sorry. No, um, a wooden sailing vessel. Okay, gotcha. Um, when these types of games, you, like yeah, you never know. Thank so. you. Yeah. A medium sized wooden sailing vessel. Okay. And you've traveled there to try and find out what happened here. There was some sort of tragedy. And so you, you find uh, a skeleton or the ghost of a particular a uh, person who died and you interact with it and you see that uh, scene, you kind of do a, what do you call it? Like when you warp back flashback mm-hmm. to uh, how that person died, it's all still, you know what I mean? So you can kind of do like a CSI, but not CSI. But you see what happened. You can see that, that vision and uh, the graphics are so unusual in a good mm-hmm. way that it, is striking and stands out from anything else. And uh, knowing what he did with Papers, Please, I think the story behind what you find on the Obra Din is going to be intriguing, and uh, I can't wait for it. Nice. Okay. Definitely. All right. Follow Lucas Pope on uh, Twitter and and um, definitely grab that when it comes out. Don't. I, it's one of the ones where you probably don't want to look up stuff about it because right. uh, any kind of mystery, trying to figure out what happened on board, uh, is going to be part of the fun of it. So sounds good. Excellent. And by the way, you can actually switch the graphics if you weren't mm. an Apple, you know, if you weren't like an Apple II or an Apple Plus right. fan, uh, to a bunch of different legacy. Really? Um, colors. So you can do the IBM, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's mm. sort of a yellowish, orangey, gross color. Uh, but you can switch through five different ones. Now, why did he choose that? I don't know. I, I guess he was trying to evoke the feeling that you would get from old exploration mm-hmm. games. And it works. Yeah. Sweet. Cool. Uh, my number three of PAX 2017 is one that actually we played later in the day. That was one of the last games, actually, that, that I've played. Uh, it was under the big Revolver Digital area. Devolver. Devolver. Yeah, yeah. Digital. Which is a publisher. Yep. Yep. Uh, and it is called Ape Out. Wow, they got your number three. Yeah, my number three All spot right. was Ape Out. Super, super simple. Uh, 
basically you are you, i have no idea what the story is there might not be a story who top knows top down view top down view you pay you play as this large orange ape in a blue world that is a maze but the maze is getting revealed as you move through so it is not you know a huge top down thing where you see the whole maze you have to just keep moving and as you move enemies start appearing they try and shoot at you you have a run or a movement and an attack mm-hmm. as far as i know those are the only controls that were there mm-hmm. really really cool simple uh it was bloody but it was so cartoonish because mm-hmm. when you got shot as the ape it was orange when you attacked the enemies it was like blue mm-hmm. but it was it was fun it was engaging you had to move fast and again this goes back to what i said earlier the sound design mm-hmm. it had really cool just a sound design sound aesthetic the landscape of it mm-hmm. which is really engaging so and it was fun because it made you realize like okay i just need to keep moving like i want to explore i want to do this i want to keep moving and figure stuff out as i go along so i had a ton of fun with with ape out mm-hmm. that would be my number three yeah when i looked at that one i said well, this is pretty simple. This isn't there isn't much to this, but the mm-hmm. one I started playing, it got my hooks in me, and it got its hooks in me. Yeah, because you started playing it first, because I both of us kind of looked at, it, we're like, all right, yeah. you played it, and then yeah, you said that same thing. You're like, that was actually more complicated, more fun than I thought. Yeah, I imagine the gorilla has just escaped from the zoo, and it finds a hedge maze outside the zoo. Right, it's got to navigate through, and all the all the guards are there and everything. Yeah, so. and there were two again in the in the minimal levels that we were able to play in the demo. There are two different types of enemies with different ammunition. Yeah. So just it was a ton of fun. Yeah. I would absolutely play it again. Mm-hmm. So I was ape out. Mm-hmm. Number two, Steve. I would like to put VR in general there, but I hmm. think I think the Marvel game it surprised me. The Marvel. Uh, yeah. Okay. So I should Marvel say Marvel Powers United. That's the one. John was Deadpool. I mm-hmm. was Rocket Raccoon. And the first thing I did was I extended my arms all the way out. I see all the fur on my arms, and I could see my little raccoon nose just in front of my face, and it would twitch, and I looked down at myself. I could see my raccoon body and mm-hmm. the grenades that I had on me, and uh, what I thought was maybe – what I thought was going to be just a Marvel cash-in or yep. a Marvel – like, okay, let's just slap Marvel on this uh, – turned to be a, a lovingly designed VR game that doesn't it's not a lot of depth to it i mean um, yeah. the first thing i said to you was i could see that uh, at universal studios or you know, one sure. of these theme parks that maybe doesn't have a lot of roller coasters but they have a lot of experiences mm-hmm. um where uh you get a group of four and you're just messing around you can't die in the game you're shooting all these guards and right. you, know, you get one boss at the end and it's all about score in fact disneyland has a ride where you're just going through it and you're shoot it's like a shooting gallery on a ride hmm. and it's buzz light years oh something Star- something Star command maybe something yeah yeah okay and so you're going for score you're just shooting your light gun as you go through the whole thing that's kind of what it reminded me of because yeah. you're just trying to get as many headshots as possible uh and it was uh captain marvel hulk oh, i really <laughs> wanted to play hulk because yeah. he was going through and he was throwing barrels around and he was smashing people and stuff mm-hmm. um one but one uh caveat is i totally understand why vr games usually use a teleporting mechanic yes. to move around because when i used my left thumbstick to move forward in the game i did get a little bit of wave of nausea yeah. or motion sickness i didn't get full on nausea but uh 
Um, yeah, I, I felt why they do the teleport because it is a little bit disorienting to yep. simply move through the world. And uh, turning wasn't a smooth turn like mm-hmm. you might be familiar with. It was like a, was a, like a snap turn. shooter. Yeah, it was uh, you point a particular direction, all of a sudden you're pointing in that direction. So, but anyway, I had a ton of fun with it mm-hmm. because it's just ridiculous fun. And, uh, you know, not everything has to be deep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, honorable mention for number two because it's in the VR world, Job Simulator was pretty fun oh, because, uh, <laughs> yeah, you think Job Simulator, uh, why do I want to file TPS reports? Mm-hmm. No. It's like a child's. Okay, actually, you know what it is? It's not from a child's perspective. It's from the future's perspective. Okay. They drop you in it and they say, uh, humanoids used to drink coffee and eat donuts to start the day. And then here comes the donut cart and uh. you fill up your coffee and you you can you bring the donut to your mouth and goes chomp, chomp, chomp. And then, nice. you know, humans used to use CDs to, you know. To, oh, but one thing, again, I've already talked too long about this. <laughs> Go ahead. But it's fun anyway. Uh, so, uh, your boss comes by okay. and he's like a, a floating monitor head and he says, uh, we really need you to look at the budget. So you bring up the email about the budget and you can just simply change what the revenue was from that year by hitting, hitting nice. the buttons on the keyboard and, uh, you cook the books and a little book pops up and it's on fire. You've cooked the books and you turned it into your boss. Okay. It's a silly, it's a mini game. It's not deep, but it's just ridiculously beautifully and hilariously created. Okay. Fantastic. So number two is, is Marvel hyphen job simulator. Okay. VR in general. It's, uh, Hey guys, it's going to be a thing. VR is here. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Yeah. And again, just like every format war in the past 30 years. Yeah. Right now, there's a format war between Vive and Oculus. One is by HTC. One is essentially Facebook. Uh, Facebook yeah, purchased Oculus. Oculus right. Uh, a year ago? Two years ago? Um, Probably more now, but yeah. So those are two competing companies with two different styles of VR games there's going to be a tipping point uh, when it was VHS and Betamax, when it was Blu-ray versus Super DVD. Like it just, it happened. Was it Super DVD? Or was it uh, HD DVD? Actually. HD yeah. DVD. Yeah. yeah. It happens. So yeah, will... but that's not to say that one is going to become dominant. I mean, we still have no. PlayStation and Nintendo switch and I feel like with the VR space that there is going to be a tipping point. Um, maybe one will be more, I think actually more what it will become to put it in, to keep it in gaming terms. Cause that's what we're doing. Yeah. Oculus. And I'm picking a winner here because they have Facebook money. Come on now. Oculus is going to come out as the winner of VR. Vive is going to essentially still produce games, but drop down to that kind of Nintendo level, totally respected, totally great games, but never at the price point of the other ones, never with as much to do as the other ones. So it will still be there, but I think that will be the tipping point. I think that Oculus is going to keep rising and keep becoming the top and stay the top. Vive will still be there, but just focus on different things. I'm going to go ahead and disagree with you on that one. Just because as I was waiting in line for Mm -hmm. either Oculus or Vive, Mm -hmm. it was clear from the gamers in line which one they had chosen. Uh, the enforcer, the PAX mm-hmm. employee yep. volunteer that would come up said, anyone for Oculus, anyone for Oculus? 
And the first 10 people in line were like, nope, not interested. And he was like searching for someone that wanted to play Oculus Rift. Um, I don't know why people make the decisions they make. Yeah. Uh, Oculus was perfectly fine. Yeah. The only thing you say with Oculus is there's a little bit of light bleed at the bottom yes. of the goggles. A little bit. I'm not concerned about that. It didn't bother me. And I'm sure they'll continue to improve their design. I mean, what we have now is the result of 12, 20, 40 different prototypes. Absolutely. You know, what's his name was making it in his garage for a long time before Facebook bought it. Summer Lucky or whatever the hell his name. Mm -hmm. Lucky. Uh, I forget it. Yeah. D. Yeah. Okay. We won't go into that. But uh, uh, what am I saying? So it's just, it's just great that it's here. Absolutely. And, And it works for the most part. Uh, and I think the games are going to get more deep. Notably, Bethesda VR was quite... Mm. So Bethesda is a big um, maker of games. Uh, we had Doom VR on the floor, and we had I am not Fallout VR. Oh, 20-foot pole. Because you're a scary cat. Hell well, what no. about uh, Alien Resurrection VR? <laughs> Hell no. Or uh, Alien Isolation. That's nope. What it's yeah, okay, that doesn't exist. Just get but, me on uh, that. <laughs> Resident Evil VR. No. That, that exists. That I know exists. it does. <laughs> No, no <laughs> chance, man. No. Mm-mm. So is coming out. So, so, so to wrap up the VR, <laughs> but it's huge. So it is. Yeah, and the lines for the Bethesda VR, where they're turning their existing games into mm-hmm. VR games, uh, was uh, the interest was massive. Now, is it going to be like 3D movies that weren't intended to be 3D, and that they turned yeah. them in? Maybe, maybe. Uh, it's yet to be seen, but I, it's here to stay. At this point, it's not a fad, just like Escape Rooms. Okay. So, and you heard it here first, folks. I chose Oculus. Steve chose Rift, or Steve chose Vive. So, in a few years, <laughs> once this uh this episode is, is on on wax permanently, then we can go back and listen. This is being beamed into space. Uh, like all ab- right, absolutely. So, okay. So, to my number two yeah. Hi. of PAX Ready. 2017 yes. is, again, one that we played towards the end. A really cute, really fun game called Death Squared by SMG. We played it on the Nintendo Switch. This is a co-op puzzle-type game, because I do not hate all puzzle-type games. Uh, Really cool, really simple, similar to Res Please. I like the games where when it is a two-player mechanic, that it makes sense within the world. Mm -hmm. That it is not just a two-player thing. When you go back, like the games that we grew up on, Contra, Battle toads, things like that. When you had a second player, it was just more stuff going on, but it was not really necessary. You could do the whole thing. So I like in these co-op games, it makes sense within the storyline and the gameplay makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, it was just it was fun. It was unique. Death Squared by SMG. Uh you played as two blocks. In our game, there were two players. Steve and I, the other ones had four. I was a blue block, he was a red block. You have to solve these puzzles and get on different pressure pads. But depending on which color you are, you could only do certain things and only go certain places. Mm-hmm. You had to work together. And again, with Contra and those games, you just shot everywhere. There yeah. was no teamwork. There was no, you take this side. You, no. Yeah. This, you had to work together. And it was really cool. And it was working together while still having fun. Uh-huh. So, Yeah. That was, oh, wait, and before before you go into uh, your best of uh-huh. PAX 2017, one other quick VR thing. I I legitimately got sad 
today. Oh yeah, tell me about that. Like this is a safe so, space, my friend. Man, so we we finally got called for our Vive time. And when you go to the Vive uh, booths, you can choose between a bunch of different games. I saw one with dinosaurs. All it said was like Planet Three Five Nine, and it had a big T Rex. So I was like, cool. I love dinosaurs. Love, love, love dinosaurs. Always wanted to be a paleontologist when I grew up. Still might. Who knows? Um, and so I was like, cool, let me play that. So I get down there. As soon as it drops me into this world, I start to realize that I'm going to be hunting dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. Maybe not even hunting, but shooting dinosaurs. And I was like, hmm, okay, let me just see what this is. Let me see if it is something like a new game called Ark, where it is these like futuristic dinosaurs with mechanical stuff and they have rockets so i get into a helicopter it's like a huey bell helicopter get dropped off and it was like three two one and the sound design starts coming and i start hearing these little dinosaurs come running after me so i draw my weapons and i start shooting dinosaurs and i was like wait what like this is the game and not only shooting dinosaurs, but this is in VR. So it was immersive. I could hear them running towards me. I had to turn to where they were. And as I'm shooting them, like this game was actually pretty graphic and blood is kind of shooting out from there. I stopped the game within like 60 seconds. Cause I was like, you felt bad. I was like, no, I was like, this is not fun. And I thought to myself, and this is no judgments or whatever, but what kind of person just wants to stand in one place have dinosaurs run at them and they just murder them. It was just weird. I just, I, just, I legitimately felt bad because when we played a game at the PAX party at Oculus called Robo Recall, which was amazing. I really want to play Robo Recall all the time. You were fighting robots and they just kind of like burst and they had like sparks. That was fine because there's a cognitive dissonance. You don't feel the same way about robots as you do as dinosaurs. Not at all. Why? Even though they're... Both fiction. It was some. It was. I think it was just the blood. I think it was. Did you say fictional? <laughs> Dinosaurs are not fictional. <laughs> I meant in, in this VR space. Okay. Okay. Like you have these sentient robots coming after yeah. you. I said to John, um, no one has actually shot a dinosaur in real life ever. That's never happened in real life. Yeah. So what? It was just. It was just weird. I think it also just goes back to, those are not my kind of games in general. I'm with I you. do yeah. not like shooters yep. when it comes to Call of Duty. It just feels too real. This. I'm shooting dinosaurs and blood is spraying everywhere. I was like, no, mm-mm, skip me with that. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, anyway, that was my quick VR thing. Moving on to your best in show of PAX 2017. Uh, hang on. Ooh. Or do you have another honorable mention? Honorable mention. I thought, yeah, honorable mention <laughs> like for six and now for 17 PAX. honorable mentions. <laughs> All right, go ahead. UFO 50 is a okay. game yeah, yeah. where... Uh, you choose from 50 games mm-hmm. Imagine that, that are strongly influenced by NES games of old. Mm-hmm. Similar to Cascade Quest, they've taken that look and feel exactly and have, uh, uh, in the same way that Shovel Knight mm-hmm. emulates uh, Mega Man and you know, those games quite well, um, this one emulates maybe the more simple NES games, uh, the look, the sound, and the type of game is excellent. Right. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, you, you have 50 games to choose from. We had access to 35. Mm-hmm. And it, I just love this. It's, it looked great. The and fact that they can do that, with they can take out the annoying parts of those old games. I mean, mm-hmm. some of them, let's be honest, 
were probably not play tested very well. Yeah, I'm true. looking at you, LJN. <laughs> okay. Okay. Go on. Uh, yeah, I mean that that was fun. Uh, I got to watch a little bit of it. You got to play some of it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it looks solid. And again, when you can buy a little indie game from mm-hmm. a little company mm-hmm. and it gives that satisfaction, I know this is 2017. You could download. Not advocating for this. You can download a torrent of every single emulator for every single Nintendo, Super Nintendo, if you want to. But support the artist, man. Like, mm-hmm. spend $15 on Steam and get this UFO 50 and get to play a bunch of new games that feel like the old games. I think that is solid. Mm-hmm. So, okay, that was your honorable so, mention. Yeah, I only get one, right? Yes, because you have already talked about 17. <laughs> okay, well, my number one was actually Death Squared because I like that. Really? I like that cooperative puzzle solving okay and your best in show 2017 packs is death yes. squared however Ooh. i'm gonna substitute it because you already said it so shadow of war i think is uh-huh a massive achievement it's yeah. a triple a game mm-hmm. and we're gonna do that but we did wait in line with some inter- very entertaining and well <laughs> uh makeup holy orcs. crap these orcs were amazing they looked just like they did in the game yeah and uh we're uh, they had that sense of uh, personality. Attitude. That the ones in the game. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So Shadow of War is a follow up to Middle Earth Shadow of Mordor. Mm-hmm. And of course, the amazing thing about this game is uh, you're playing a human, right? Mm-hmm. No. Italian. Uh, okay. Yep. You know more about Duda, Duda the Dane. Middle Earth load. Yeah. Okay. And you're fighting hordes. The Dane of... were a race of men that. Lo- <laughs> uh, you're, you're fighting hordes of orcs that. If you uh, kill them or if you die to them uh, and you're resurrected, they remember who you are. The mm-hmm. nemesis system um, it was a big deal in the first game. Worked well. Uh, the second game, they're expanding it. Yeah. And uh, you can take over more enemies. It's everything that we loved about Shadow of Mordor, but more. Yeah. Door. Door. Thank oh, you. God, I knew that was coming. <laughs> <laughs> I, I won that game. Uh, yeah. I mean, remember. It takes hundreds of people, hundreds of hours to yeah. make a game look this good and behave properly. Absolutely. And um, uh, <laughs> you mentioned in the demo, we were really thrown into it. Mm-hmm. And I was starting to doubt my Mordor skills a little bit because Seriously. I was like, wait, what button does what? I mean, I can keep mashing the A button and mm-hmm. block some shots, but I'm forgetting how to do all the cool stuff. But um, yeah, I can't remember. I, I can't wait to uh, slide back in and, yeah. and immerse myself in the insanity which is Middle Earth Shadow of War, mm-hmm. my uh, best in show. Yeah. Okay. Really good game. Wait, did you enjoy that one? Uh, so my honorable mention uh, is Shadow of War. Here we go. Uh, because it was fantastic game. This was, and I told Steve before we even went to PAX, this was the only AAA title that I actually am interested in that I am actually probably going to play um, because I just I loved the first one so much. That said, with this one, I'm already worried because to me, it is starting to veer closer to the RTS, veer closer to these games where you have to micromanage so many different people and so many different things. And you give them different abilities. Shadow of War, Shadow of Mordor was almost at my level. The first one. The first one was almost at my level of just the way that I like to play games and enjoy them. Uh, there were massive RPG elements to it. And you could upgrade your skills in different trees and go from there. This one, even this demo, and I think the big problem is that, again, we were 
thrust into like, I think he said like the 60% mark of the game. Starting from the beginning of the game and working your way up and developing those, I think would help me. I think it will help me. Getting dropped right there. And I was like, what the hell is going on? And I have to put this skill point here. I, d- I need more time with it. Is that the micromanaging you're talking about, the skill yes. point acquisition? Or is it no, the fact it was, that now you can have an army of yes. people? I think having, because at one point uh, I had three generals. They each had three different skill points that I could put. And he was like, you should put at least one in each one. So I have to look through a bunch, assign it. I think it will be okay. I have faith in the game itself. Yeah. I just need to start from the beginning. Yeah. I just need to really get used to that system from the beginning. Yeah. No, I'm picking up what you're putting down. So yeah. that was my that was my honorable mention, my best in show. The uh, game that I had the most fun with that I would go back and play is Pirate Captain. Or was it Pirate? Oh my God. Was it pir- Pirate Training? I cannot even remember the name of it. What was it? Um, <laughs> Your best in show, man. All right. Try it again. Try it again. Okay. My best in show of, of FAX 2017 is Pirate Captain. Is it pi- <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is it? <laughs> what is it? Is it Pirate Training? What? Space Pirate Sp- Trainer is John's number one game of the... It so- left such an impression on John. Space... He couldn't get... <laughs> Space Pirate Trainer on the Oculus was my best in show. It was the game that I played right after Planet 359. Um, what happens in this game, John? This game, get, it basically, it is the the most basic uh, shooting gallery type game. So back in the day, when we were growing up, in the arcade, they had a game called Police Academy, uh, where things would pop up, you'd shoot them, enemies would pop up, and you had to shoot the enemies and not the civilians. Really simple type thing. I like that shooting gallery aspect. This is that, but in 3D VR space, you had a multitude of weapons you could draw from. You had a shield, you had a tractor beam, you had pistols, and you were only fighting these robotic orbs that had different abilities, different speeds. This game hit all of my ADHD twitched muscle uh, tendencies Mm -hmm. because there was so much going on. Yeah. And I could do different things. If we had the chance to play it at PAX, my number one might have been Robo Recall, but I cannot include that because we played it on Thursday at Oculus headquarters. Yeah. But Space Pirate Space Trainer, uh, Captain Underpants. Very close, uh, very close. <laughs> it was just it was just fun. I mean, and as soon as I was in that world, it felt good. It felt real. Uh you could dodge, you could move. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I just loved it. I it has some cool game. effects. If you got yeah. hit, all the lines would be a little bit rainbowy for a moment. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. And when it you felt like you got stunned a little bit. Yeah, yeah. when when there would be projectiles, these laser beams, for lack of a better term, firing at you from these orbs, and you would duck and you would move. Time would slow down, yeah. and you kind of watch it go past you. Mm-hmm. Then bring up your shield. Go. That's the power of the vibe that you can move around those shots, man. That's why. Yeah. It's the, uh, not gonna happen uh-huh. nope team oculus okay Ooh, i am putting it on twitter uh when this episode drops team oculus or team vive oh this is like a edward or what's his name type of situation yeah that one <clears throat> i have no idea <clears throat> uh twilight wolfman jack uh peanut butter wolf uh <laughs> moving right along anyway so yeah my my best in show was space pirate captain trainer uh <laughs> Which I will put in the show notes under the real name. 
it was a blast. I want to play it right now, but I do not have a $1,500 gaming PC. <laughs> Which brings us to our FundMe site. <laughs> Go FundMe. Let's yeah. get John and Steve a VR unit. That would be great. I mean, we I can promise launch to a whole, stuff. We can launch a third podcast. <laughs> right. So Yeah, live commentary as we do it. Yeah. Now, yeah. Here, let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. VR-wise, uh, right now, it's mostly mini games. Yes. If we're not counting Doom and Fallout and those other ones mm-hmm. where they took the assets that already exist. They took an old game and, and, and yeah. yeah. So uh, I don't know if uh, the Batman game that came out on PlayStation last year that was on a VR exclusive. That was it. They took the framework and made it VR. Okay. Okay. All right. How long is it to, until we get games that don't feel like mini games or demos? I guess you could say. Yeah. And ones that actually feel like a you know, story. it doesn't even have to be an adventure. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be a Skyrim level adventure, but one that. Uh, has elements where you progress and you, you know, yeah, I, it could I, even be a tower defense game. You know, true. Kind of I think it is going to be a while still. I think yeah, all of this is still in its infancy, even though it is in, absolutely incredible we're right playing, now. We're playing the worst VR games right now that will that exist. That is crazy. Yeah. That is so crazy to think about. But yeah, five years from now, we're playing Space Battle or, you know, the, the or first ET. arcade game or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Pac-Man and all. Yeah, the, like this that is weird to think that this is essentially the first generation of true VR games. If you don't count that crap in the 90s that I played at Incredible Universe. Oh, was it like the Star Wars? Oh, no. I was thinking the Star the Wars. The pterodactyl that flies over. Oh, I don't know what that was. Oh, okay. I yeah. remember like the Star okay. Wars arcade game, like an X-Wing, and it was kind of that framework visuals. Uh, that one had a... Vector graphics, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That one had like a face oh, module. Oh, yeah. And it was kind of like it was forced VR. Yeah. So. Uh, that's not what I was talking about. Okay. I was talking about yeah in the nineties they did have VR, but it was that's very pol- polygon yeah. looking. Yeah, this was ready. this this is incredible. So yeah, so, yeah it is kind of crazy. But with as impressive as it is, the main deterrent to both Vive and Oculus is price point. Even though you can buy a PlayStation Four when it comes out soon for maybe seven hundred bucks, you know, for like you know a for the brand new one, I okay. think it, I think it has that that has more power and stuff. Exactly, really. seven hundred really. Okay, I think so. Hmm. All right, or even say five hundred and above. Yeah, you know, depending on hard drive. If you want a solid VR system, and we looked at one because uh, they were giving it away, and I took a picture of it. Just the computer is thirteen hundred dollars. Mm. Let alone the VR headset and all of the accessories. That price point is a huge deterrent. Mm-hmm. So. I think that's basically two thousand dollars to get into the yeah. VR game right now. Yeah, which, which is madness. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, unless your current computer can run it. I mean, the nice thing is, if you buy a PC that's capable of running VR, you can you can use it, it for and, other things yeah. too. Obviously, you can edit video on it. <laughs> right. I mean, it's not. It's not sitting Microsoft there like a Word console. Looks great. <laughs> <laughs> PowerPoint. You should see the anti aliasing on this. Okay. <laughs> You got uh, me tequila left over Yeah, there? yeah. No, okay, we got uh, it all. Cool. So I think that about wraps it up. What was the name of your number one? I forget. Space Space Captain <laughs> Trainer yeah, Pirate. That's right. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, what What was it actually? Space Pirate Captain? Space Captain Pirate. Forget Captain. Really? Space Pirate Trainer. Captain. Captain Space Pirate Trainer. <laughs> captain my captain. Let's <laughs> right. end the podcast. No. Cool. Pax, 
go on forever, please. I mean, it's just yeah. like everything you could want and uh, more than you can handle. And uh, yeah, it's yeah. Uh, it's a beautiful thing to live in this in this world of of uh, incredible. You know, you think oh, games that's for nerds, you know, but. I mean, people play Candy Crush on their phones. It's yep. not as fringe as you think, and it's Seriously. drawing in seventy thousand people. It's uh, it it really uh, and and it informs art and culture mm-hmm. and everything, whether you know it or not. Um, I, I think it's uh, here to stay. Ga- yep. Hey, everybody, <laughs> games are here to stay. <laughs> Hot tip. Yeah. Hot news. Yeah. But uh, thank you for having well, me on your podcast. And, yeah, uh, absolutely. So this has been the. Six and PAX coverage episode of 2017. Uh, for a little bit of nostalgia, you can always go back and listen to the episode that we did about 2016. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely, again, thank you to not only the people that I had on the podcast, Tim, Joe, and Josh. Mm-hmm. Both events, to all of the volunteers, to the enforcers is what they call them uh, at PAX. I am amazed at how smoothly both of these are run. Mm-hmm. Six is much more manageable. Still crazy, but much more manageable. PAX, we talked about it. Steve and I talked about it as we were walking by. Yeah, it was the Monday. Yeah, it was the fourth day. We were not shoulder to shoulder the whole time. They have lines very managed. Even though there's tape on the floor, the enforcers do a fantastic job Mm -hmm. of making people aware of where things are going to happen. Mm -hmm. So just big shout out to all of the volunteers that truly make these events possible. Absolutely. So I think that about wraps it up. Uh, Steve, where can people find you and all of your adventures? And I say adventures because by the day this drops, you will be on a plane going where? Well, according to my agreement with Podbean, um, (laughs) some may call it a settlement. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have to go to uh, Siberian Canada. Mm. Uh, Beautiful this time of year. I'll be in Newfoundland. And then I go to Italy where they're going to strap me to a rock and Mm -hmm. sweat me out for a while. Sweet. Uh, You know, I might get some wine in there and then it's down to Patagonia. You know, the the bitter cold and miserableness of Mm -hmm. Patagonia Mm -hmm. uh, where guanacos will chew at my toes. And then South Georgia. I have no idea what those words mean. (laughs) South Georgia, tens of thousands of king penguins. The stench is horrible. Don't Mm -hmm. ever go there. South Georgia. Yeah. Yeah, terrible. For, the, for anybody uh, new, for anybody new listening, Steve is a videographer for National Geographic Expeditions. Thank you. He literally travels all over the world, north, south, east, west. Has circumnavigated the globe mm-hmm. multiple times, making mini documentaries for the travelers on board. Yeah. So all of those trips he just mentioned are actual trips that he is going on because he is a huge jerk. <sighs> Whatever. <laughs> but. Where can people follow your adventures all over the world? Ah, yes. So uh, they can follow me on Twitter, mm-hmm. at Steve Blog. Mm-hmm. They can follow me on Instagram, at Stand Inside. Mm-hmm. Or go to my website. Why not? www.standinsidemedia.com. Fantastic. As for this podcast, you can follow it on all forms of social media. I enjoy your podcast. Thanks, buddy. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at about to review. If you want to chip in a dollar and support the show, every dollar goes towards a new gaming PC that can run VR games. Uh, go to the website aboutreview.com and click the support tab up above. I've got a dollar right here. You can just have this one. Oh, thank. 
gosh. Oh, boy. Yeah, thanks. Uh, and You know, you can... The sound of money is very distinct, isn't it? And that was not th- it. That, that was not it at all. <laughs> uh, make sure to subscribe on iTunes slash Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Blueberry, Podbean, Podbay. It's real. Uh, you can stream it on my website, abouttreeview.com. Also, again, definitely go to YouTube, search About to Review. There is a new episode dropping this Friday with Phil Lamar as my guest of About to Interview. That episode was great. He is a fantastic guy. Marvin. Uh, Marvin from Pulp Fiction, Green Lantern, Samurai Jack. UPS guy. UBS. Thank Jacques. you. Jacques. Yes. Um, Mad TV. Fantastic. That's a huge get, man. I'm really, that's exciting. Yeah, thanks, man. Uh, he, he is a great guy. So I'm glad that he agreed to come on. So yeah, that about wraps it up. Uh, thank you to, again, our sponsor, Vexing Media, who does all the audio editing. That about wraps it up for PAX and 6 2017. I have been your host, that guy named John. This is this guy named Steve. And we will see you very soon on some other video game podcast episode or at 6 and PAX next year. Bye-bye. Bye. This has been an About to Review production. Thank you to Vexing Media, who provides audio editing services. They are a graphic design, website design, and digital media company. You can find them at their website, vexingmedia.com, or on Facebook and Twitter, at Vexing Media. <laughs>